Good morning. This is Jimmy Williams, your host for Live a Life by Design. As I call it, the pastor of positivity, giving you the powerful positive messages to start your week on the right foot. All we do here at Live a Life by Design is bring you some of the most talented people in the areas of leadership, in the areas of ethics, and also the areas of just being good people to the areas in which they live. And today you have a treat in store for you. Today we have a wonderful guest. He has been a lifetime servant of the people and continues to this day to do an outstanding job during a time of total disruption. He, you could say, has been Superman in my eyes. He is always on point with what he's doing to make sure the people in his city are served well. And with that, I'm going to introduce to you today a wonderful man, Mayor David Holt of Oklahoma City. Mayor, welcome. Well, that's very kind. Thank you very much. Uh, it's my pleasure to be here. The mayor's very busy, folks. I'm going to tell you, it took us about six months to get this set up. Well, maybe not that much, Mayor, but he is a busy man. And I want to give you a little background. For those of you that don't know Mayor, mayor Holt, he is the youngest mayor of a U.S. city with a population over 500,000 citizens. He is also the youngest mayor of Oklahoma City since 1923. So he has got a lot on his shoulders, a lot on his plate. So we're just going to take a few minutes today. And we're going to find out what he does in his life to keep things moving as smoothly as possible for one of the largest cities in the central United States. So with that said, Mayor, I just have a couple of questions to get us started. I understand you authored a book called Big League City, Oklahoma City's Rise to the NBA. Yeah, I was my predecessor's chief of staff from about 2006 to 2010, before I spent eight years in the Oklahoma Senate. And that mayor, Mayor Mick Cornett, was obviously, uh, if anybody knew anything about Oklahoma City back then, was very integral to the, uh, the achieving our major league status, our big league city status. And so that was, I argue, one of the greatest positive developments, if not the greatest positive development that had ever happened in Oklahoma City. And I thought it should be, uh, it was a heck of a story too, to how it happened. I mean, we were so far off the radar to have an NBA team when all of this started that um, so many things had to go just right that I thought it was worth uh, recording for posterity. So ultimately, uh, in the middle of all that, I was elected to the Senate and took the bar and, and had kids and, you know, but a couple years after I left the mayor's office in 2012, I decided to, to write it all down and Ultimately, it was published by Full Circle Books, which is a bookstore here in Oklahoma City that does uh, history books of local interest. And uh, that was, I can't believe that's been eight years now, but that was a fun, uh, a fun project. And again, I, I, I think was really such a story, uh, such an important story in Oklahoma City's history. I'm glad that, uh, that it's there uh, for those who are interested and, uh, and you can still pick it up there at Full Circle or you can get it digitally at Full Circle Books. I'm sorry at Big League City Books, uh, bigleaguecitybook.com, uh, if you use a Nook or a Kindle or any of those devices. Well, we'll certainly put that in our show notes as well, because I know everyone will want to see that book. Uh, I will tell you, we support our Oklahoma City Thunder, or as I just call them, the Oklahoma Thunder. Where we live, we live outside of Oklahoma City. We still claim them, Mayor. They're our team. No, we, we appreciate that. My predecessor yeah. negotiated for that for that to be called Oklahoma City, you know, so, uh, right. so we stick with it. But we understand it's 
it's the state's only professional sports team. So we're very proud of that. I got to say, though, folks, what I love about this man is that he actually comes from a historical background. So Oklahoma is known for the five civilized tribes we have within our state's borders. And before statehood, of course, we were known as Indian Territory. So some of my heritage is Choctaw. And uh, so your heritage, as I understand, is you're uh, actually, aren't you part uh, Osage Indian, I believe? Correct. Yeah, that is on my uh, my mother's side. Uh, I know you happen to know some members of my family on my Holt side, my father's side, but on my mother's side, I, I come from Osage uh, ancestors, and I'm, I'm card-carrying. I'm a, I'm a member of the Osage Nation. Well, that is wonderful, and we need to be proud of that. Our history of this state has a tremendous amount of depth, and needs to be. Uh, we need to be thankful for that, as our forefathers were as they come over and settled these grounds. But hey, let me let me ask you a few things. You've got this little project going on called Maps Four, mm-hmm. and that that little project. Let me just see if I remember right. That is like a one billion dollar deal. Talk yeah. to me a little bit. What are you What are you doing with that? I mean, how do you sleep at night? <laughs> well, fortunately, there's a lot of other people who work on these things. Sometimes I'm just the face of them. But in 1993, um, our community first passed a MAPS initiative. Um, MAPS stands for Metropolitan Area Projects. And it's it's always been a one-cent temporary sales tax that builds stuff we didn't have. And in 1993, we lacked a lot of the quality of life amenities that other large cities take for granted, like a sports arena or a ballpark. And so those were the kinds of things that were in MAPS 1. That was followed up by MAPS 2 uh, in 2001, uh, which was better known here as MAPS for Kids, and it built school buildings. And then MAPS 3, I was my predecessor's chief of staff during that time in 2009 when that passed. And it had a lot of downtown projects, some of which have just started to open in the last year. Uh, the Scissortail Park, the streetcar, uh, the new convention center that's going to open here by the end of 2020. Uh, those were all some of the leading MAPS 3 projects. Well, when I took office as the fourth mayor in this quarter century story, uh, it was certainly assumed that I would uh, present my own MAPS initiative. And, and so we did. And we were the way it's worked ever since 1993 is the voters do not have to vote a tax increase. They do got they do have to approve it, um, but because one picks up where the other left off, traditionally the ta- the tax rate just stays the same. So that also sort of dictates the timing. You can't you can't sit on it. You got to do it when the tax is elapsing so that you can uh, pass this one to pick up where it leaves off. So at the end of 2019. Um, Ultimately, the the council and I moved forward with a, as you said, about a $1 billion initiative. It's got 16 projects in it. Um, And this is, you know, MAPS has never been about our bread and butter stuff. We've got other initiatives for that. We do bond issues for street repairs and water pipes and police stations. But this is more about kind of those extra things. And those extra things have made all the difference. I mean, it's why Oklahoma City, MAPS is why Oklahoma City has a great pride over the last two decades and why its population growth and its economic growth has has significantly uh, recovered from the the depression of the 1980s. So this passed in in late 2019 and and I'm so grateful that it did for any number of reasons. Uh, It got the highest percentage we'd ever had for a sales tax, 72%. I think we went out there and really presented a, 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 a broad spectrum of projects that met a lot of different needs. Um, but I'm doubly glad now because I know every mayor in America uh, would be jealous to think that I have a billion dollar stimulus waiting uh, 
uh, for our community on the other side of this pandemic because, you know, the pandemic's been a real gut punch to a lot of cities, ours included, um, but we've got something hanging out there that gives us a lot of hope for an optimism for the next decade. You know, I want to take just a moment. I don't want to just dwell on the pandemic because I know you've heard enough of it. You've been dealing with it for now several months. But under your leadership, there's several things I have noticed that I really appreciate. And I know a lot of your citizens do is that you're very involved at the citizen level with communicating what the city's initiatives are to help combat the spread of the of the virus. But also you do a daily almost a video uh, through your office as mayor to help let them know, here's what we're doing. Here's what the numbers are. And just being very factual. How's that being received by your staff? Do you see that being something positive for them? Yeah, I, I think that um, in times of crisis, I mean, this is not um, rocket science, you know, but you have, you've got to communicate. Um, and, and I think you got to be transparent and truthful um, and walk people through your decision making, especially if, they're tough decisions. You know, unfortunately, a lot of leaders think that the more conflicted the decision, the, the less they want to share sometimes about that. And the reality is it's the, it really is the opposite. The more you share about how hard this decision is, um, you know, I think that the listener uh, has a lot more empathy and, they, and a lot more understanding for the outcome, even if they didn't fully agree with it, they see how you got there. So, in this pandemic, I mean, myself and, and governors and mayors across the country have had to make a lot of really dis difficult decisions, trying to balance multiple interests, most notably really health versus economy in many cases. And just, I think I've tried to use the platforms that are available to a modern leader, whether it be social media or whether it be traditional media, um, video and, and text to, to lay that out as best I can. And certainly in the, first two or three months, you're right, I was probably doing some some type of communication every day. Um, over time, you know, you sort of pull back a little bit, but, um, but I still try to keep people in the loop, especially if there's a shift in our, in our, in our data here, you know, if, if things seem to be spiking. Right now, fortunately, um, since uh, late July, early August, we've been kind of going down in Oklahoma City, so that hasn't really changed now for about a month, so I haven't said as much, but um, but if it does shift again, and, uh, and I hope it doesn't, but I know that that's happened. We've had two spikes already in this pandemic, so it's poss certainly possible it could happen again. I'll be the first to, to share that with, with the people. And, and it seems to me that people are appreciative of that. I mean, social media has got people of all kinds, and sometimes, you know, the, the people who represent the smallest viewpoints are the noisiest. So, you know, there's always going to be, <laughs> there's always going to be uh, some pretty crazy things that people say back, but, um, but by far the, the feedback of our communication and how we've handled things and the outcome has been very positive in Oklahoma City. And, and ultimately, I think we've threaded that needle pretty well. We, we have the fourth lowest unemployment of any large city, but we also have, um, you know, the, it was like the, 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 the fourth lowest number of deaths from COVID-19 per 100,000 out of any large city and maybe like the seventh lowest number of cases per 100,000 out of any large city. So it's like if you can have essentially a relatively low number of deaths, cases and, and unemployment rate, then you have found the balance. And I, I think so far we have. No, I agree. And, you know, hey, my mother told me this, and I'm sure your mom gave you some great advice as you were younger. She said, do not try to please everyone because then you'll please no one. So I, 
I follow my values and I'm sure you do as well. So, so tell me what's, what's your daily routine like? How do you maximize the efficient use of your time and, and be the most impactful for the citizens of Oklahoma City? Well, this is, this is a good question. You know, I don't get these kind of questions a lot. Um, it's often maybe more talking to school kids or something. I get these kind of questions, but you are never too old to learn. And I assure you, there's a lot of adults who I hope would hear what I'm about to say. <laughs> you know, um, I find, and I've found for a long time, if you are not an addicted list maker, calendar keeper, um, and I mean written form <laughs> or, or, tab, you know, or digital form, but something that's not just bouncing around in your head, you are not maximizing your time. You are not humanly capable of keeping together in your mind all the things that you need to do if you want to be truly productive. And so I have been since high school, uh, just a, just an, a maniacal list maker and, and calendar keeper. And I think that it's probably not unfair to say that I spend 20% of my time organizing the other 80% of my time. And some people will look at that as an inefficient use, but the reality is you're turning the other 80% into, you're maximizing that other 80% so much when you do put some intentionality into how you organize and, and muster your efforts that um, I, I just think I get, I just think I get more out of 24 hours in the day than, than a lot of other people. Um, and I have to, I mean, so yeah, I'm a mayor of 20, the America's 25th largest city. I also have another job. Um, you know, the mayor of Oklahoma city is not paid a living wage. A lot of people are surprised by that, but in our form of government, um, I have to do something else to, to feed my family. So I've got another job I have to focus on uh, at times as well. And I have a wife and kids who would like to see me occasionally. So, you know, if you're going to maximize your time and still be, you know, a productive mayor, um, you've got to be very intentional. You got to know what you're doing today when you wake up, you know, you need to have a list. And, and I've certainly perfected that. Uh, I think, and I, that's the number one thing I would advise anybody to do. And maybe some people are too old to learn that trick yet anymore. But for young people, I'm always saying, you know, don't just don't just kind of blindly keep a a mental to do list. You need to really write things down. You'll be surprised at how efficient you become when you really have it all written down. And it becomes addictive to mark those things out. You'll even write things down just so you can mark them out. Yeah, no, I agree. And, and if you've ever uh, been around me very long, you'll see I have what's called Evernote, which is my second brain, I call it. And uh, <laughs> that Evernote's where everything goes, and I can pull my task out of there to do what mm -hmm. I've got to do that day and code them. I, I agree yeah. with you 100%. So let me ask you this. If you had to look back on your storied career, you've been a U.S., uh, excuse me, you've been a state senator, now you're a, a city mayor of a, over a million people. Uh, what are we now? A million and a half Oak City, uh, something like well, that? Well, okay. So the city proper is 650,000, which makes it America's 25th largest city. The metro nope. is about a million four. And yeah, I mean, right. I have no jurisdiction over the people who live in Edmond and Yukon, but I recognize that the mayor of Oklahoma City has a sort of symbolic leadership role for all of those people. But uh, to say again, there's a lot of people there. So would yeah. you give me an idea what so far has been your most fulfilling accomplishment in your life? Personal or professional? Well, I mean, you know, it, it's uh, stereotypical to say it, but it, it's meaningful to me. I mean, obviously, my kids are my world, and and my marriage as well. And uh, you know, that's that's the highest priority. And I uh, another thing I often tell young people when I give speeches is, 
is, um, you know, obviously I'm somebody who's, who's interested in having professional success. There's no doubt about that, but, um, and everybody should, should have that, that ambition, but please remember that all of these people who are so nice to you right now, you know, you're, whether they're your, your, your colleagues or your employees or, or people who want something, whatever the case, you know, when you die, they're not going to be at your deathbed. (laughs) They might come to your funeral. And even if they do, unless it's raining, Mayor, if it's raining, they don't even come to the funeral. You kidding me? Yeah, right. I mean, it's just, it's just, it's just the reality of life. The people who are going to care about you when, when all of that's gone and who are going to be there at the end and are going to remember you are your friends and your family and more so your, even your family. And, um, and so don't lose that, you know, I mean, find that, find a work-life balance that favors life. And, uh, and uh, so, so you asked me, what's my proudest achievement? It, it's having a, it's being married for 17 years and, and having two wonderful kids, George and Maggie, 10 and eight. Um, and that's the most important thing. And, and yeah, of course you get pulled in a lot of directions and, you know, from time to time, you, you, you're going to, you're going to have to make a decision that, you know, causes you to miss something, but, but don't make that decision too often, you know, keep your, uh, you know, keep your priorities straight. Do you think that Rachel would mind, although I've never met her, uh, personally, I haven't, I look forward to it someday. She's a lovely lady in the photos I've seen and what she does Mm -hmm. in life is wonderful. But do you think I could maybe not upset her if I referred to her as the first lady of Oklahoma city? Cause I kind (laughs) of like that. Well, it's really funny you say that. So, uh, she, if she were here, she would say that's not a thing. That's her. That's her standard <laughs> phrase. Is that's that's not a thing. And she and the uh, the the quote unquote first lady of Tulsa, Susan Bynum, are good friends, and uh, they often that's that's in fact the name of our text group. Was it's it's not a thing. But uh, so uh, she is uh, you know a successful professional in her own right. She's the interim executive director of the Oklahoma Office of Juvenile Affairs. You know some seven hundred employees in that agency. Um, so she is not defined by my job, nor should she be. Um, uh, but she loves Oklahoma City, and she's happy for me. But uh, no, she she does not necessarily embrace the idea that she is the, the first lady. Well, well, if it wouldn't be inappropriate, Mayor, I, I am going to address her as such when I see her, because I've, I've okay. done that to all of our governors, if that's okay. If she hits <laughs> me, you got to defend me, right? We talked about this. <laughs> so, hey, let's talk just a little bit about if you could have any other career between being a successful attorney, a state senator, a mayor, what what would you say that David Holt would want to be if he wasn't a mayor right now? Well, you know, I think uh, as a young person, uh, I was I've just always been interested in being a part of the group of people who have the most influence over the community in which I live. You know, I was always running for student council. I was always doing all that stuff. Um, you know, ultimately, I think that comes from a couple things. One is I like helping people. Um, two, it's diverse, you know, I mean, like no day, no two days are ever the same. Um, you can really, you have a lot of freedom to kind of pursue the things you think are important in a given day. Um, so with all of that in mind, you know, when I was a young person really trying to decide what to do with my life, um, and whether public service in some form or fashion would be the path, which it ultimately was, um, you know, I bounced around lots of things. I mean, I used to think, you know, I want to be able to walk up to strangers and ask them how I can help them, you know, and who can do that? Well, politicians can, priests can too. You know, I don't know though, if I, I decided I wasn't pre, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> pastor of priest material, but, 
but uh, those are the types of things I thought about. You know, I, I, I think whatever I do, it, it would always be service oriented. Um, I'm, I'm intrigued. I mean, obviously this is on the path I'm on now, but I don't know. I don't ever assume that it'll last forever. So, I mean, you know, I'm intrigued by higher education. I, I think those are great uh, places to be. I, I envy uh, friends of mine who are, have been, who have been or are college presidents. You know, I mean, I think those are fun jobs um, because you're, maybe your universe of service has gotten a little smaller, but you're, you're in a position to make such an, an amazing impact on, on a young person's trajectory there. So those are the kinds of things that I think would be attractive to me. And I don't assume, you know, being mayor is not a forever job. So I, I don't assume that I can't still have multiple careers, you know, ahead of me, but we'll see where life takes me. So is that a hint, Mayor, that if you had the opportunity to just find a need, you go need it, you serve it and take care of the need. That's kind of my philosophy in life. I've always looked in our communities and see where the deepest needs are. I particularly like to help uh, children that couldn't go to college. So my wife and I fund scholarships to help kids that would otherwise not be able to attend school. Or uh, yeah, we also right. uh, we also like to help these organizations where kids are maybe sight impaired and we help buy glasses or whatever they need. Uh, to me, that's just what we've always lived by. And it sounds to me like, Rachel, when you do the same thing. So let me ask you, so, so I know some of your predecessors, you mentioned uh, Mayor Cornette, great man, by the way, was a gubernatorial candidate, uh, I believe, a term ago. And uh-huh. uh, at this time, who would you say are some of the mentors that inspired and equipped you to become the David Holt you are in 2020? Well, interesting question. I, I had a really um, great opportunity in my 20s. You know, I worked for President Bush in the White House. I worked in the U.S. Capitol. I worked at the state capitol in, in the lieutenant governor's office. And then I spent five years with Mayor Cornette um, and also under the supervision of the city manager at the time, Jim Couch, who was also a, not as well known, but a, a great uh, and influential uh, leader here in Oklahoma City. Um, so I just had, I had a really awesome track, especially for a kid from Northwest Oklahoma City to get to work in all those places and get to see, you know, firsthand, get firsthand experience at truly every level of government from the White House to City Hall, you know, to do all that really by 26 or 27, it did give me a lot of great opportunities um, to observe others. I don't know if like, you know, I don't know other than anyone I've mentioned, you know, that there's like some particular uh, mentor in my life, but I certainly have been a sponge for all, all of these various people and, and experiences that I've, that I've uh, been fortunate to, to have in my life. And, uh, you know, and also my, my family, I mean, my dad's awesome. Um, he was a school teacher and has been always very supportive of, of everything I've done. My mom was, you know, uh, deeply invested in my life. And before I was born was a, a social worker. Um, she unfortunately passed when I was 14, but was still very much an inspiration to me. Um, her, her father was a colonel in the army and was a part of my life till he passed in 2007 at, you know, age 90 something. Uh, um, you know, so all of those people, I think probably, um, though none of them were running for political office, they were all sort of public servants in their own ways, teachers, social workers, you know, military. Um, so I think all of that also sort of um, inspired the, the path that I ended up taking. Wonderful story. And I've got to ask, uh, 
what was it like working for President Bush? I just tell you, Bush 43 now, because I'm mm-hmm. assuming you're not old enough to right, have Bush yeah. 41. <laughs> uh, right. I, I want to tell you, I met Bush 43 uh, just in uh, passing. Did not get to shake his hand. Secret Service was all there. But uh, what was it like working for the man? Because I'm going to tell you, I have a lot of respect for him. Politics aside, I just think he's yeah. a good man. What's your thoughts? Right. Well, he is. And I think that was, I think he was very much the same as he was, you know, in front of a camera behind closed doors. And he was just a good man. And I've come to, and we won't get into current politics, but, you know, I've come to really value above policy positions. I've come to care more and more about whether you're a good person. And, um, and, and I, I, I took that for granted earlier in my life that everybody in politics was a good person. And when we could go to the second item on the list, which was where they stood on the issues, you know, and, and now it's like, well, I, I got to go back to the first item and start checking harder to make sure that everybody <laughs> uh, that's given these positions of responsibility truly has a servant's heart, you know, and, and has a humble nature and, and uh, is as empathy, um, you know, just these like core basic qualities that we sort of took for granted maybe for too long. So he certainly exemplifies all that. And I think that's why you've seen, this always seems to happen, right? After the, the heat of the issues fades, you know, the American people tend to realize, hey, you know what, that guy wasn't so bad after all. Like, why did I call him Hitler? You know, he was actually right. a pretty, <laughs> he was actually a pretty good person, you know? Right. And, and you see that, you know, like most American presidents, even when they were uh, serving in contentious times, usually see their approval ratings rise after, you know, after a time period passes because, people realize, you know, that, that guy was a man of honor because virtually all our presidents have been to this point. And George Bush was certainly, uh, certainly no, uh, no exception to that. He, he's a, he's a good man of principle. And even if people still have quibbles about things he did and, and quibbles is I don't, not mean to diminish it. I mean, people have maybe here very strong feelings about, uh, things he's, he did. Uh, it seems as if there's a far more, uh, powerful, uh, consensus today that, he was whatever he did. He did it because he truly believed it was the right thing to do for our country. You know, and that's the whole thing. As soon as Maggie and George get a little bit bigger, I'd love for you to take them down to SMU's campus and see his library uh, and museum. I'll tell you what, it is phenomenal. Yeah, and, uh, I was there. I was there for the opening. So oh, it's been good, years, good. But yeah, yeah, it's a beautiful facility. So I don't have a whole lot of time. I do want to ask a couple of questions, and I'd like your last word on a couple of things too. But but. But before we ask the last question, I've got just a couple things I want to ask. What does the next phase of the career of Mayor David Holt look like from this point? Like, what's it look like for you? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I found in life you can't you can't overplan these things. I think you just stay open minded about opportunities to serve. And I've only been, despite the volume of experiences that I've had in the last two years, that I've only been mayor for two years. You know, so. <laughs> Seems a lot longer with a pandemic, I know. (laughs) My predecessor was mayor for 14. I think that's probably a lot longer than I intend to to stick around. But, but, you know, I I guess I mean that to say I I plan probably to expect to probably do this for a few more years, uh, voters willing. And then, um, you know, who knows? But as I kind of alluded to earlier, uh, whether it were an elected position or whether it were in an unelected position, there's lots of ways to serve and that I... I don't necessarily see myself doing something that doesn't have some sort of kind of service component to it. Uh, I mean, making money is great. I mean, I'm not opposed to that. Um, but 
Um, as long as you can make enough, I, I like to have the fulfillment side of it uh, uh, as well. You know, I would say that you're not saying it, folks. And if you're listening to our podcast, we're, we've got over 27 countries, Mayor Holt, that listen to this podcast. That's how much it has spread. <laughs> so uh, I want you to know he's not saying that he's going to be David Holt 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue in 2024. I don't think I'm hearing that yet, <laughs> but I'm going to encourage him to think about that if I can get Rachel on board. But uh, so let me ask you, Mary, I know we're running out of time. I know you got a busy schedule. Your assistant had informed me you got a lot on your plate. So let me just ask you this yeah, if you could yeah. just leave our listeners today, thousands and thousands across the globe, with just one piece of advice about influence, leadership, or legacy, or whatever, what would Mayor David Holt, leave them with? Um, be kind um, and, and, and have empathy. Um, I think especially in these times uh, here in America, we have uh, a lot of people who are exhibiting a shocking lack of empathy. They're not putting themselves in other people's shoes. Um, and this is true at both ends of, of the political spectrum. Um, you just recognize the basic humanity we all share. Let's stop, um, you know, trying to find reasons that we're different. Let's, let's remember the many, many more things that uh, are similar between us. And with that comes, with that empathy comes love and, and understanding and the ability to move forward in a pluralistic, diverse uh, society uh, such as the one in which we live. And so, um, and all of that leads to, goes hand in hand with just kindness. I mean, I just, nothing will, will turn me off faster to, to your ability to be a leader or your ability to be a, an employee if you're just not nice. I just, there's just, I just, there's, there's no excuse for being mean. I mean, I mean, you can, you know, I mean, everybody loses their cool occasionally. I mean, that's not impossible. I mean, I understand that. I just mean like though, that, that is like your default position. Uh, to be a jerk, you know, then you, I have no place for you in my life. <laughs> you know, that is excellent advice, Mayor. I will tell you, you've apparently listened to some of our episodes because you're on some <laughs> of these topics big time. So there's a shout out I want to give to a young man in our area named Charles. That's your cousin that uh, Absolutely. I've got, got him on the, on the phone all the time. He's a great man here in town, taking care of a very large responsibility on ranches that they have in the area. But Mayor Holt, I can't tell you how much we appreciate this. On behalf of all of our subscribers in the 27 countries listening to us, I've taken the time today to help shed some positivity in the world that needs it so badly right now. And with the yeah. pandemic, your leadership has been awesome. Is there anything you'd like to say to two young people in your life by the name of George and Maggie about their future? Anything <laughs> at all as we, as we play it off here? Well, uh, I, I think their future is bright. They've got a lot of advantages. And as long as they remember that and are grateful for them and, and pay it forward, uh, then, then they'll, they'll, they'll be citizens and, and people that I'll always be proud of. And let me also thank you. This was a delightful experience. I'm, glad, I'm very grateful that you bring positivity uh, to your listeners and into this world. And, uh, of course, uh, much love to my cousin Chase, which is what we call him in the family. Although I think that's a dwindling number of people who know that uh, that's one of his <laughs> names, but but I, I haven't quite shaken it yet. So I'm glad that uh, I'm glad that he brought us together. Well, it's truly my pleasure, Mayor Holt. Thank you so much for your time today, and please extend a thanks to your staff for having the opportunity to work with our team to get you on board. We wish you all the best during the pandemic and the growth of Oklahoma City. And finish that Civic Center. I'm ready to come see something. Let's get rid of this pandemic. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Oh, that was awesome. You're wonderful. Thank you so much. I hope we cross paths again soon.
will do so. Thank you, Mary. I'm going to tell you that you've been an outstanding guest. Appreciate you so much. Based on the discussion we had with Mary Holt, you'll pick up on several things that contributed to his success in life so far, and he is a younger professional. What's amazing to me is how he has found early in life that kindness, helping others, and granting empathy to those in need to show that you truly care about them does make a tremendous impact on your life. You know, I look back and wonder how this young man from a small area of Northwest Oklahoma City had foundations of his family in the southeastern part of our state, very small communities in Pittsburgh County, and he turns out to be a state senator, works in the White House, attends George Washington University in D.C., and then becomes the mayor of one of the largest, most wonderful cities in the United States. It's all because of his attitude that his altitude has risen so high. It's always a wonderful opportunity when we can bring to you, our listeners, someone that has taken these words of advice over the 77 episodes we've had and puts that to use in his life in such a way that you change those around you. One of the things you've heard me say many times is you control you. In the midst of the pandemic, your attitude can be controlled in a positive nature. Your response, not reaction, to the negative things around you will serve you well. Do me a favor this week. I challenge each of you to look around do what Mayor Holt does on an almost hourly basis, I'm sure. Look for the good that you can do. Spread the good, positive news to those around you that are in need and show some empathy to those that are suffering far more than we may ever. Thank you for joining us this week on Live a Life by Design. I am excited for what this next episode will be, and I look forward to sharing it with you next week. But until then, go out, make the world a better place, and live your life by design. You can get a complete transcript of today's show online at livealifeby.design. If you like the show, please tell your friends and family about it. Also, we would be very appreciative if you would leave a review of the show wherever you listen to podcasts. This has been a Life Master Key production. The program is copyrighted by Jimmy J. Williams and Company. All rights reserved. Our recording engineer is Happy Design Company. Our production assistant is Amy Cotton. Our intern is Brindley.